0: Well, everyone, welcome to another episode of the Dodgeball Podcast. This episode is going to be guest hosted by Lucas uh, Boyle and Brett Furlong. Uh, Here we go. Hey, everybody. It's Lucas Boyle, and I'm here with Brett Furlong, and today we're chatting about how we got into Dodgeball and then how that turned into coaching Team USA. Well, Brett, (laughs) what was it like growing up, and how did you get into Dodgeball Um, why do you think dodgeball became such a big part of your life
1: i mean i grew up in a suburb of chicago western springs illinois played baseball all growing up I, i wrestled through high school and was just pretty much an athletic kid always playing like stealing bases in the front yard with friends and and things like that um just going to the park just to hit, just to like shag balls for each other. Someone would just hit them and you go catch pop flies and stuff like that, throw it back in. And uh, so it was usually like an outdoorsy kid. And I was also, I was a boy scout, uh, Eagle scout, I should say. to correct myself. Yeah. 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 I'm one of those. Um, and then I, uh, I was a camp counselor at a boy scout one summer, my junior to senior year. I was uh that summer I was a camp counselor and I came back from uh from camp and my buddy was like he it was a random Friday like it's my first Friday night back and he picks me up and he's like, Hey, let's go play dodgeball at the rec center. And I'm like, what? And I was like, I knew nothing about it. I I'd not played it in like gym class and in school or anything like that. So I was like, whatever, I'm game. As long as you can throw I'll I'll probably be okay. So we go over to the the rec center and there's like Forty people there, mind blown. Everyone from high, all kids from my high school. Um, Some I didn't even know, um, but some were in my grade, and I took to it just like a fish to water. Um, And I I mean, I've said this before on other on other outlets, but Western Springs dodgeball that that league or or pickup because it was a pickup game every night um, was something incredibly special pre I think dodgeball era um it was some nights we'd have 80 kids high school kids um playing dodgeball and it was um basically it was a huge gym and it was like a 35 foot throw each side (laughs) We played with eight and a quarter inch foam balls so everyone's arms became just like these juggernauts because you're you're trying to throw an eight and a quarter inch ball 35 feet to hit somebody and so i started playing that august of uh 2002 and then very first competitive tournament was january of 2003 um, with NATA, uh the north american dodgeball association and they had four tournaments a year and uh western springs was famous for like Um, we had we had what we called the decade of dominance where we every for 10 years over their four tournaments over 40 tournaments plus um, we had a western springs uh, western springs team win uh, first place so it was like this it was like never let the brand down every we'd take like two three four teams to these tournaments and it was like never let western springs down we have to get first place (laughs) so it was like that mentality and then like we'd play like we'd have a tournament saturday and we friday night we're out there playing our hearts out ruining our arms (laughs) all with the understanding we have to play saturday but it's like we, we just wanted to play so it was like um it was just crazy town um just anarchy everyone um talking smack uh it it was just pure anarchy and it was just so much fun everyone got along and if you didn't get along you left and that sounds incredibly mean but it was like if you fit in you fit in like it's it it was just like all everyone was like a puzzle piece and like the puzzles the all the pieces either fit together and we made a great puzzle and if you didn't fit in I'm sorry you just didn't fit in but, and it's not that we were being exclusive in a way, but. Um,
0: yeah, kind no, of no like it, it's... it makes sense. Like you have to play nice. Like you got to play nice to keep playing. And mm-hmm. uh, we, <laughs> that kind of reminds me of like some of my early dodgeball days. We would play pickup in the park and every once in a while, like, you know, it's like, just like pick up basketball or pick up soccer or anything. Like you just kind of feel it out and you, get a feel for what the vibe is of that game and you do it but like one one time there was a guy there who was just like you're not the ref I'm not going out <laughs> and, and and at one point like we were like dude you're out and like his even his teammates were like yelling at him and he like laid down on the court he's like I'm not moving and we were just like what the hell <laughs> do we do and like, he was like breaking social contract. Like, like, <laughs> we don't know what to do at this point. And uh, we got to this like standoff where like someone took the balls away until this guy left the court. But he was like a grown man. It was it's so weird. I'm curious about your, uh, your Western Springs game. Was it like, were most people like teenagers or they're young adults? Was it kind of a varied mix? Like who was playing there?
1: um it was young adults i mean i want to say i was kind of like um probably on the young uh the middle to younger end of like the age demographic being like 17 18 when i first started um and then like kids who were just around either going to um like community colleges people stuck around uh, uh other high schoolers that were coming up there i mean there was a big wave of high schoolers after me um, I I mean, I went away to school for a few years and I mean, I'd always come back on the weekends when I could to play. Um, I mean, always came back for tournaments. um, Always came back just to, just to see everyone and hang out. Um, And then I eventually moved back home uh, and then continued playing there for a number of years. Um, And we had, it it was just kind of like an always kind of rotating cast, a lot of the same people. and, and I mean, I think I think you see that a lot in dodgeball. Just like there, the, there is kind of like a base group of people who kind of like keep the ship afloat, um, yeah. and then there's always new people coming in, and you're trying to rotate. And uh, yeah. and that's basically how Western Springs was. I um, mean, we were the biggest organization in the Chicago area for like ten years.
0: Um, does, does Western Springs still exist?
1: no they do not
0: exist (laughs)
1: it is it is sad i mean eventually uh, eventually you have to admit defeat (laughs) when like no one's showing up anymore
0: that that uh, would be that would be an interesting conversation in and of itself is like sustainability for dodgeball communities but um let's see i so one question that comes to me just from your kind of dodgeball origin story is just how early you were playing it you were playing it as like a a teenager as like a young adult and like that's you know it's been 14 15 years now and 18 years how were so many years like a lot of your adult life has been as a dodgeballer and so i'm curious like yeah how how you feel like dodgeball changed you or or affected you as an individual
1: um, I think it gives you, I, I mean, just a, with, with most people who, um, I mean, I'm, I'm probably shocking no one with this statement, but I was not a popular kid in high school or, or, uh, um, in, in just in general life, but, and, and, I, and I don't want to project on others, but, um, Dodgeball can, <laughs> and Dodgeball can give you an identity. Like it can give you a sense of purpose. It can... Um, for all those kids who didn't make the baseball team in high school or didn't make the basketball team in high school but have athletic ambitions, um, dodgeball has uh, a very, I, I mean, the the, uh, the stereotype is dodgeball is exclusive, but I think dodgeball has a very um, inclusive nature um, because it is an outlet for the kids who don't make the like the core four sports that we see Mm -hmm. um so it brings people in who maybe haven't found a home uh in a athletic society that um and 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 not to say that dodgeballers don't have abilities in other sports but uh i think a lot of us find a home in dodgeball because the other the, the other areas aren't willing to accept us for for what we can be in uh Um, that was my thing I was I was good at baseball but I wasn't good enough to make the to make the high school team so it was like where do I where do I put this outlet of energy and wanting to throw things and
0: yeah yeah no yeah that I totally get that so having having that place to be someone and create an identity like Tell us about like that identity formation, you know, like you came in as this camp counselor, playing on the weekend (laughs) and the next thing you know, you're like a junkie and you're also great at dodgeball. I'm sure people respected you and were like, watch out for that guy. And that probably gave you confidence and like, you know, I'm sure like a lot of, just it gave you a lot of opportunities to grow and mature and become a leader.
1: Yeah, I mean, just like with w- with anything, I mean, join a you join any type of club or join any type of just group of friends, and um, people kind of are filtered into their slots as um, as like a leader or uh, maybe just like a standout athlete in that regard. Um, I mean, I was the, I was the angry guy, which I'm surprised, I'm sure surprises (laughs) nobody. I was the angry guy kicking doors open because I got hit by someone I thought was lesser than me. And I mean, and that's just a lot of rage. I mean, there's one favorite, there's one famous story of me uh, ripping my own shirt apart (laughs) because I was so angry. Um, And you know what, you look back at that and I'm sure it's a funny story, but like in the moment, I'm sure some people are like, that dude's like, freaking crazy and like gonna do bad things to animals one day or, or so like something crazy like I was not I was not a good person And I mean and with age and I'm sure you can understand this like with age comes realization of your actions and um, how you are perceived by others I mean I I mean Lou you are the like you're the coolest cat in the room in any situation I've ever been in <laughs> uh, or I, I've seen you in and it, it, it amazes me that it's like I've never, viewed like, like just anger, like, pu- like anger. But I'm sure, like, you name any teammate I've ever had, they know what what anger looks like, and it's me being angry. Yeah,
0: like, yeah. Um, <laughs> There's so but like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Keep going.
1: No, I was gonna say like what. Lou do you get angry at all like how did you <laughs> have you always been the quiet guy on the dodgeball I don't I don't even want to say quiet guy because you do get intense I mean I'll, I'll give you that but like you're never the like what the f is this
0: yeah guy. yeah um I don't know like I feel like I'm always like frustrated under the surface <laughs> so maybe I just do a good job of like keeping it to myself um but I don't know like I I think maybe some of it stems just from just like maybe like sports growing up I played I played soccer and and like soccer you would win if you scored a goal and most games are 0 to 0 or 1 to 0 and so there's a lot of failure and you're always you're always thinking about how to do better than next time. And I remember I would like go to bed at night thinking about like scoring opportunities and like what Mm. I would do differently if I was in that position again and how the ball would feel on my foot as I try to pass it by the goalie on the ground inside the post or how I would, you know, like I, I would, I guess I always saw like failure as an opportunity for growth and I think because of that in dodgeball, like whenever you, you know, I'm sure it was this way for you guys playing pickup back in the day at Western Springs, but like whenever I would get out, I would make like a little mental note, like, okay, don't get too close to red shirt. Red shirt's got a good arm. And so like, you know, there's no time to get frustrated or pissed off. Like you just gotta, you gotta grow, you gotta build. Um, So I guess that's kind of like my mentality, but, Um, I remember when I first started playing dodgeball, it was just, it was, it was way casual. It was super casual. And like, Mm. most people out there were just looking for like social interaction and, and Mm. like, it almost wasn't, it was almost frowned upon to like, take it too seriously. And so I think I had to kind of like masquerade my interest in the game as like, kind of i don't know more like just goofing around um and it was it even got to the point where like people would wear their knee pads like underneath pants because they didn't want to be like the guy who came to the court with the gear on because like if you came to the court with all of a sudden people are like treat you differently or so like, there was an era where I wore my knee pads underneath like my jeans and I would go out to the dodgeball courts. Um, but I think, I so maybe part of that is like, I've always got, like been aware of like how I'm being perceived or like the effect that I have on people. And and as I started to run leagues in Seattle, um, I learned, that there are ways that we can play in which (laughs) intimidate people and scare them away. And then there's ways that we can play that welcoming and inviting. And so I think that that kind of like, and, and some of that too works really well in competitive dodgeball, right? It's just like posturing and pretending to be threatening and pretending that you're looking to throw and drawing lots of attention. But just kind of being aware of like the face that you're showing outwardly, I guess is something that I've kind of always been thinking about, and not something I've ever talked about until yet
1: <laughs> I think that's incredibly interesting uh, like the how different we both came into the sport. I came into a very competitive nature where like. If people were – I mean, we didn't wear knee pads because we were just dumb kids. Like, <laughs> but every night was a cutthroat. I mean, we picked new teams every night, so it was that gym class. Like, last kid picked. You don't want to be last kid picked. There was a lot of there was a lot of pride in being the number one selection of the night. Like, yeah, I'm number one. Like that. Everyone wants me on the first pick. Wants me on their team. Where you can't. Where you're a very casual nature uh, group. I mean, granted, uh, I think you guys were a lot older and probably a let, lot less like uh, machismo and like it all freaking <laughs> mad. It was like the end of the world. Like, tell so, us so it was the end of the world if you didn't win. For you, I mean, you guys had.
0: Yeah, you we. Guys were probably, you
1: guys were probably already paying taxes when uh, you started playing <laughs> Dodge Ball.
0: Not quite, not quite. I was, <laughs> I was 20 when I started, so I was. Uh, okay. You know, well, <laughs> you should have been
1: paying taxes,
0: I'd hope. You're 20 years old. Sales tax, sales tax. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, yeah but so let's let's kind of let's move our conversation so let's talk about like once dodgeball started like really getting serious and competitive and so you kind of talked a little bit about that in your um kind of background was like coming back home for tournaments but like when did you guys start taking teams to travel and was it the nada stuff and like Did you guys ever do the ndl or early elite dodgeball and and i'm curious kind of like how you kind of got into the competitive scene that you're in now um
1: so as far as we knew nada nada was like the um the organization to begin with i I believe they began in 99 began hosting tournaments in 99 um, and they kind of build them build themselves as like the the national organization and there were some teams that would travel good distances to come play in it. So it wasn't like it was – I mean, it was it was made out of a uh, a park district uh, in a Chicago suburb, Schaumburg Park District. So it was kind of like in our backyard. But um, teams would come, like teams from Ohio would come. Um, I think in the later years, Boosh – like the Bush squad would come down from Minnesota. So there were teams that would, would travel because, like, you think that – especially after the movie. I mean, the boom after the movie was crazy. But – those years prior um it was still very competitive and it was the only like nationally what, what you could call nationally billed tournament there was um most of us didn't know about ndl um but i think we did find out about it uh i think 2004 2005 western spring sent two teams um to uh, the ndl um so, like, we knew about it. I was asked to go on the team we were playing with, um, Kings. We – my teammates were playing and going. They asked me if I wanted to go. I said no because, one, it was a rubber tournament. I never played rubber before. Um, two, I was broke because I was young. I was, like, 20 years old or something like that. I couldn't travel to Vegas on my own and pay for everything, and especially pay in a tournament, which we're talking about an NDL. So, it was – outrageously overpriced um, so they went they end up going and like the in all the Chicago vendetta highlights you see from N d l those are mostly Western Springs guys. those are the guys who came from Chicago um, and went and played so I mean it was um but i but I wouldn't say the competitive scene for me really took off until two thousand ten um when we started going to Detroit Cup, and it was kind of like our first taste of playing teams outside of uh, our local area. So you got like when we played Detroit cup in the championship at, when we played at the Detroit cup championship match in 2010, we played final justice. Um, they were I think they were, they were final justice at the time. So it's like, that's how crazy that team goes back. And they wow. had won the, they had won Detroit cup the year before. So that's how those guys have been playing forever.
0: I had I mean, no the, the, idea. That's incredible. Yeah,
1: that that yeah. I mean, they were college players who based out of Michigan and started playing there. Um, and that's the first time I played against people from Canada. So, like, we played um, – uh, I think their team name was Bombardment. Um, and a bunch of players that you see today were on that – like Michael Lasiuk was on that team in 2010. I mean, he's an incredibly gifted dodgeball player. Um, and played against them in 2010. Um, so it's like that's when, and then Detroit Cup started being like that national tournament that we really looked forward to going to because it was foam. Mm-hmm. That's what we played. Um, but we still knew people like Glenn was on our team at that point. Um, but he was going to NDL every year, or uh, yeah, NDL um, along with other players. But it was like 2010 is like kind of when it kicked off for, for myself um, and like the like, you have to gear up for a tournament, Um, but, uh, and it was Detroit Cup, it was players going to NDL, and my first time going to NDL was, I think, 2011, um, which, and it was the worst experience of my life for many
0: reasons, (laughs) but, uh, I, uh, but, uh, I started going to the NDL in 2010, and I went that year, and I went 2011 as well, and, so we were there at
1: the same. We were there at the same time, which
0: is incredible. We'll have to go look back at the photos and see if we can find one of, <laughs> of both of us in there. That'd be awesome. Um, but it's amazing how many people who were at that tournament, you know, ten years ago, are still at the top of the sport. You know, I remember. I remember Vince Marchbanks. I remember Justin Pyne. I remember Tim Fullerton. I remember like Ish Blanco. I remember Glenn. You know, Mm -hmm. I think Billy, Billy Schmidt was there the second time I went. Um, Just like, it's amazing. Like the, the people who were good then are still good. It's, it's pretty incredible. Um, But what I will say is that there was this thrill about those tournaments that was, it was kind of this, like, how does my dodgeball community stack up? to these other dodgeball communities, right? Like there's this- Yeah, unknown, that, yeah, that's what it was, yeah. It was an unknown and it was like a cultural thing. It was like, how does the format where I play versus the format where you play, how are those conducive or not conducive to this style of tournament? And like, you know, some people were better catchers. And and I remember the second year they added the foam division, 2011. And, I remember the Canadian team, the Canucketeers came down and they dominated that. And it was, it was awesome to see like different teams have different fortes in different divisions. Yeah. And, and just kind of the way that play style and ball control and like all of that was uncharted ter- territory, like team strategy. Like I, I, <laughs> I remember our first year going down, we, we came up with a play calling system that we would, uh, if we had four balls, we would yell cat, cat, dog, dog. And so left to right, if you, if you were a cat, it meant you were holding. And if you were a dog, it meant you were throwing. So a cat, cat, dog, dog meant that the two guys on the right <laughs> ought to throw. But there was no target. There was no pump fakes. Like, there was no nuance at all. Like, it was all just like, <laughs> brand new. And uh, we, had, we, we had a couple plays, like if we did a cat, dog, dog, cat, we called that dogs in a microwave. <laughs> and so, like, <laughs> that was, like, the beginning of our play calls. It was, like, those early days where we we're, like, this is hard. How do we communicate? Oh, let's come up with a code where we can communicate in front of other people. And then I think that that was, like, kind of my tiptoe into, like, strategy and play calling. What yeah. Kind of, what kind of stuff were you guys doing for like play calls or strategy? N-
1: n- literally nothing. Like you would <laughs> think, like <laughs> you
0: would think as competitive as we are,
1: you would think like we were like breaking the game down, trying to get every advantage. Like, no, F that. All we're here for is to show you how much better we are individually than you are individually. So we, w- it was just like, we would just try and like pummel you with talent. And you know what? That worked. <laughs> for a while for a while and then it didn't and it was like what the hell's going on we're, we're better than they are and that was always the excuse like we're better than they are they got the breaks and you know what in hindsight that was incredibly incredibly stupid to look at how you play dodgeball and I like I see that when I watch dodgeball now and you watch players who get incredibly frustrated after they get hit or they lose a match And it's like, this bullshit. Like, these guys out here throwing biscuits to me all day. You can't catch it. They're hitting toe tops. Like, it's – and it's – that's the key. Like, I hate to say it because I rode the life for so long, but talent doesn't win dodgeball matches. And I learned it way too late in my career. (laughs) And it frustrates me to this day. Like you, you, I wasn't trained at the gym or anything. I was, I would show up, play, and if we won, great. If we lost, it's because of X, Y, Z, not because we didn't prep properly. Because we're better, so why should we not win? That's so stupid. <laughs> that's so stupid to think about it that way. But I was stupid, and I was really good off the offseason off the start back in 2002 so i rode that wave until i was hitting the beach and then i got caught in the undertow and i was coming back being like this doesn't make sense i was (laughs) a wave for so long now i'm getting dragged back into the sea and (laughs) i see that in a lot of young dodgeballers as they dominate their rec league they dominate their um whatever they dominate somewhere they're really good at playing on trampolines at udc on a thursday night and they come out to an elite tournament or now a usa premier tournament or they somehow make it to worlds and they get frustrated by stupid stuff and it's like yeah because the other team is actually trying they're doing literally everything in their power not just physically but mentally to beat you and they beat you
0: yeah yeah uh, it's interesting it's interesting like I've heard I've heard stories about like baseball players for example um just like legendary hitters having a hard time explaining hitting to kind of a mid-level player because it was yeah. easy for them
1: right like it was it made sense to them without thinking about it
0: yeah and like talent takes you far it does but um you know I had a <laughs> I had a teacher, I, I went to art school. I studied art in school and design. And I had a teacher who said, everyone has talent. He's like, the difference is the people who come to work. And you know, I always remembered that. And yeah. and I think Dodgeball is kind of awesome because hard work is rewarded. You know, if you, mm-hmm. if you learn the game, there's a reason why these folks are still on top. It's because Dodgeball rewards experience you know, and if, if you're out there and you're not learning the lessons, like, you know, that's gonna, it's not gonna bode well when you come against someone who has equal abilities, who has been paying attention.
1: Yeah. What, one of the things I, um, this pertains to basketball, so I know you'll like it. Um, <laughs> I heard it years ago and I don't remember where, and I don't know if it's credible. So take it, everything I say with a grain of salt, but it was that, um, like taller draft picks, like you're you're like six nine and above, like seven footers, um, their success rate in the NBA is a lot lower than say like point guards or shooting guards, the shorter people, because um, those taller players, your power forwards and your centers, have gotten by their entire like AAU high school college careers just on being taller than everyone. Like they haven't had to actually work. Like their talent can be like uh like in the middle of where it should be, and they can still succeed just purely based on height. but if you're a point guard or a or a shooting guard like for you there's so many players who are six, one, six, two, six, three, six, four for you to stand out, you have to have all the intangibles defense, dribbling, ball handling, shooting, range like you need to prepare yourself in so many other facets to stand out rather than just being tall. Um, Mm -hmm. And that those, those tall players don't have uh, longer careers basically because they just keep getting overtaken by youth, not by just being more talented. Okay.
0: Yeah. I've noticed, I've noticed local players coming into our leagues and these are like mixed leagues, draft leagues who have talent and they're able to get out, you know, like, you know, players who've been around for a while, experienced players. And, And it's exciting they have like they have instant gratification instant rewards easy money however i notice that their growth is stunted because after like six months they get to this point where like the talent no longer gets them those rewards or like the scouting report is out right like people know their one trick or their two tricks or or they know what to what situations to avoid to avoid uh losing to this player or avoid getting out by this player and yeah. because of that then that player all of a sudden for the first time is thrown back to the drawing board and they're like oh like what do i do now and like whereas sometimes players who have little or less ability when they come in they have to confront that from day 1 and so they're immediately like taking in information and just grasping as much as they can and learning tricks and building good habits that are going to serve them well forever. And, you know, like it's interesting kind of seeing those two different archetypes come in and sometimes <clears throat> that talented player just fizzles out and leaves because the game is no longer fun. It's not that easy money that it was when they first came in. Whereas that second person who came in, it was, it was never easy for them to begin with and they fell in love with it despite that, and it continues to be yeah. rewarding. Um, so I think that's an interesting kind of example of the NBA draft um, experience and talent. Um, I think one of the themes that we touched on was work. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I think uh, no, better, no better time to segue the conversation into uh, coaching. <laughs> Uh, so I guess, I'm sure
1: what a lot of people want to hear about
0: <laughs> yeah, the, thanks, the
1: juicy stuff.
0: Thanks for hanging in there, everybody. <laughs> um, let's let's talk about this uh, free free work that we like to do. Um, so maybe tell us how how were you first approached about getting involved with USA Dodgeball and and kind of yeah, and what led you into the accepting the offer to get involved.
1: Uh, my my personal story is I, um, I was when USA was revamping their whole uh, selection process. They were looking for scouts for their region. Um, my name got recommended by someone to someone at USA Dodgeball, and uh, they approached me and asked me if I wanted to be a scout uh, for the North. Um, Obviously, they knew I didn't have what it takes to make the team, <laughs> but uh, I mean, I have been around for quite a while, so I know what I'm looking at. and uh, i usually I try to go to every tournament in the north. Um, so I kind of looks kind of i kind of seem like a prime candidate for it um, for the selection committee or the scouts at least. and then um, after the twenty eighteen combine um we had selected the team and i knew we when we were in that selection room we were like well who's coaching the squad like we got to figure out a coach like i thought it was our job to also figure out a coach for them so i know we had put out some offers to coaches um some people didn't take to it or didn't accept the role so uh it kind of came back on me. So, so I got a I got another question that said, would you be willing to be a coach for 2018? I said, I, I'm willing to do whatever I can to help this team win. I had a, I, I mean, I had a vested interest in seeing this team get a gold medal, seeing as I helped put it together. So I felt like I don't want, it's like, you don't want someone to screw up your own recipe. So it was kind of like, that, that's kind of how I took on the, uh, took on the coaching position, um, so yeah, I mean, and I know you have an incredibly, no, I should say incredibly different, but you, a different route to the same end point as myself. Yeah,
0: yeah, um, yeah, so I was, yeah, I was invited to try out that year in 2018, and and they, I think I got the call, and they were like, you didn't make the team, <laughs> <laughs> but would you like to coach <laughs> I was I was thrilled. I was super excited. I think I think the in, I think the entire Dodgeball community in the United States was really excited about what was happening with USA Dodgeball and that we were putting our best players out there and representing our community and to be a part of that meant a lot to me. And mm. to be involved as a coach was an incredible honor. It was an honor to be invited and, and to get to work with that group of people, you know, just, just to be there, it was, it was thrilling. Like i I love dodgeball and I'm a fan of incredible players and um, just, I don't know. I, I definitely was super excited by what was happening. So that was kind of like, hell yeah, put me in, like, let's go.
1: Did, did you have any like reservations about like how you would be accepted as a coach like where you're like yeah I want to do it but because mm-hmm. I did and mm-hmm. I'd be interested to hear if you had because I don't think we've actually really discussed this mm-hmm. if you if you have like like yeah I'll take the job and yeah, then you're yeah. like but what am but what is <laughs> but what am I getting myself into here
0: yeah so. yeah I think yeah that's a it's a great question I think I think I remember the phone call where I was I was asked by a Jake Mason to do it and I remember, like, making myself count to ten before giving a response. But I just wanted to be like, "Hell yeah, yeah, put me in, woohoo!" Uh, I guess we'll have to bleep that out. Sorry, Steve. <laughs> um, but but then after the initial excitement wore off, I was I was a little apprehensive. I was like, "How do I, how do I work with a group of people my peers, and and with how do I work with people who have more?" experience more accolades people who've played on the world stage before people who've won every tournament in the game um how do i how do i how do i earn their respect how do i you know like what do they want out of this like what does the team want you know like none of us asked to be in this relationship but we're all here so like what the hell do we do so like there was definitely some apprehension and I remember being super nervous. And actually, this today, as I was kind of preparing for our conversation, I did I did some digging in my like Google Docs, and I found this like document that I had whipped up for like for all the coaches. And I was like, okay, coaches, like, what are you guys excited about? Like, what, who wants to do what? Like, like let's let's <laughs> fill it in. And I had all this enthusiasm, but I think it was like coming from a place of anxiety, which is kind of atypical for me. Uh, what about you? What about you? How did you feel about coming into that situation?
1: I mean, I was incred—I was incredibly excited. I was in- also incredibly appreh- apprehensive about it. Because, I mean, for the same exact reasons. it's Yeah, I helped select this team of, I mean, you have the top players in the game for so long that you're putting together and you're like, all right, yeah, I'm the coach, but they all, are they going to listen to me? Like they all know how to win dodgeball tournaments. What do I bring to the table? Like I'm, I'm not even going to say I'm, I've never been the best rubber ball player ever. Like I'm not a rubber ball player, but that's what they all win at. I do know something about foam, but even then it's like, these guys have won foam tournaments. They've won every type of tournament there is to play. How do I get any type of message across? So I was, I I mean, you could say scared or reluctant, um, but uh, luckily when I knew they had asked you and you accepted, I was like, thank God, because not earlier that year we had met at, when we came out to, when task force came out to Seattle Classic. And we had a nice conversation, me and you, at the at the after party. And I was like, I like this Lou guy. Like, we like, I left Seattle, and I was like, I like that Lou guy. Maybe him and I will hang out someday, or maybe we'll be friends. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, I left Seattle not knowing what our friendship would be, if we had a friendship or a partner, I mean, eventually a partnership. But, like, I left Seattle being like, that dude's cool. I hope to see him at other tournaments. And then when they're like, oh, yeah, we asked uh, – Lou if he wanted to come and he said yeah he'd be a coach too and I was like oh okay well <laughs> I said he's a much better player than I am so at least he holds a little <laughs> more weight with those guys on the West he's played against them they know him I said maybe I can and I was like thinking in my head like maybe I can help use like Lou is my voice to help get things across to these players and
0: um, yeah I, I mean think, luckily no, I I think it's just one of the things that from i guess one of the things that differed from my expectations is like all of a sudden you're in the door and you've accepted this and you want to go forward but like where do you start right like what is point 1 like there is no blueprint there is no blueprint to like build a national team program from the ground up and and i remember mm-hmm. i remember feeling very awkward and And I remember, like, people locally were just like, yeah, coach. And I'm just like, I am very uncomfortable. I'm so. (laughs) Yeah, what what
1: does that mean, though? (laughs) That's what does it
0: mean? I think for me, because I was on the West Coast, after one of the elite rounds, the players got together and scrimmaged. And I came to the scrimmage and I played in the scrimmage. And. And we just were just training, we were just playing, we were just kind of feeling it out. And it was all, it was most of the West Coast players. And after the scrimmage, I remember just like, I had to get the monkey off my back and I just went up to the guys and I was like, guys, honestly, I have no idea what it means to be a coach. And (laughs) I am here to support this team. I'm super excited about this team. Um, You know, like, let's make this work. And just putting it out there because I think, I think the players were concerned too. They like, they didn't know if we had agendas or if we had a program in mind or how flexible we would be to input. And so I think, I think just kind of coming up to them and leveling and just being like, we don't have, we don't have a plan yet. Like, like together. Yeah. I,
1: I mean, I think we can be completely honest here. And those also on that team and um, I mean, I'm not, he won't mind the captain of that 2018, the captains of that 2018, 2018 team. Um, we were kind of opposed. Now I don't even say opposed to each other, but we were so unsure of what the other, the other sides like responsibilities were. Cause you and I are here to quote coaches or managers. We didn't even really know what the role was. Um, and we're dealing with uh, a Nate Kreider. Uh, a very honored and accomplished dodgeball player who Nate won't mind. He speaks his mind. He's very um, confident in his thoughts and beliefs. And I respect that immensely about him as as same with Vince. Um, I'm sure there was some, we don't want them treading on what we're trying to do. And I mean, and there was, I mean, it was, uh, it was put out there. We don't want the coaches coming in and ruining the chemistry of the team as if we were um, some type of, uh, we were like agents from USA Dodgeball in there to infiltrate their um, team to report back to uh, whoever, the board, Jake. I mean, love Jake um, 100%, but it's like they didn't know what our role was.
0: Yeah, I think I think that's a good point. Is that to some extent this team this team had already won in 2015, right? Like they had won um, gold medals together, and you know, like, they had won
1: elite rounds. They had won UDCs. All these players have won in some regard more yeah. than us.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I so I say. think they're they're definitely that was one of the first challenges to overcome was just to like feel each other out you know like gain each other's respect it was anarchy right to start out it was
1: craziness and, i mean everyone so, had a everyone had an idea of what it should be all nine, uh, nine 12 players and then us like we all had an idea of what it was going to be
0: it was i th- i think it was like it was harmonious anarchy but i think within within that environment i think it was just important to like figure out what roles to fill, right? Like what what things are yeah. being done and what things need to be done and kind of being flexible mm-hmm. and responding to the needs at the time. So let's let's fast forward a little bit. So we're kind of coming into the coaching thing. It feels weird, it's awkward. We're trying to kind of connect with the players. Um, we have a training camp. There's a training camp in Los Angeles, which was a big big thing for me to kind of connect with the guys, but you weren't able to be there. So, yeah, at, I couldn't make it. At what point did you kind of feel that connection with the guys?
1: Oh, not until like day three of Worlds
0: in LA. <laughs> okay, let's, let's dive right into LA. So like, what was that? What was it like? What was it like that first world championship?
1: LA, I'll put it this way. In um, years ago, in my Boy Scout days, uh, we did a high adventure trip into Alaska. We were doing a canoe trip through, uh, through many rivers. Um, Part of anything with Boy Scout related is if you go to a camp, you usually have to take a swim test. We get up into Alaska um, and we have to do this swim, you usually have to do a swim test, a swim test on site. So we did a swim test in Alaska and the water was like 40 degrees, if we're lucky. And you just had to jump in and just do it. And you know what? It sucks for like the first 30 to 50 yards. And I've, I can't remember how long of a swim it is. It's like a hundred yard swim you gotta do. But like, it, you have to build up. There's so much anxiety. There's so, and this through LA, like the anxiety of flying to LA. What am I getting myself into? Getting to LA, meeting the guys, like city. I mean, we, me and you met, we both got off the plane. We met at, we went to some bagel shop or something. And then we met the rest of the team at some restaurant. That's like, I'm still like getting ready to jump off the dock into this cold water. And I like, I remember we go to the Airbnb we were staying at. We get in our room and I'm just jumping in the water and I get in the water like day one. It's still like, what are we doing? Like, this doesn't, I don't know what our roles are day one. We just go and play. And it's like, all right, well, I guess we make some calls. We make some roster choices. Like, luckily, we had some idea of what, roster, what lineups would be and rotations. But, like, day th- I wasn't really comfortable until, like, day three. And it was, it was just so much uncertainty and so much anxiety about trying to make this relationship between coach and players work.
0: Yeah, and yeah, I, it, it, and I mean it,
1: that sounds crazy because we didn't know what we were doing, first of all. So, yeah,
0: yeah, I and I think we came into the an incredible situation, right? We had an experienced mm-hmm. team with so much leadership, so much talent and experience, right? And so it it was like a a great environment to bring on two new coaches, right? Like, had yeah. we been these like opinionated, like crusty old dodge dudes like oh yeah it might just have fallen apart right away and so i think it it kind of worked it worked the way it did um it's your first time coaching you're kind of getting comfortable by day three we ultimately make it to the championship match and fall just short (laughs) two
1: games short we lost by two games
0: two games short yep how? What is it like walking away from that experience?
1: It's it's confusing, honestly, because you're like, we have the best players, like why don't we win? Um, and you can look at it in that straight meat meathead uh, scope, like we have the best players in the world. We've seen it all week playing these teams. We have the best players. Why didn't it work? And that's annoying and frustrating. And then. And, and this is where experience and wisdom come in and it's, all right, it didn't work. Why? Let's figure it out. And that's what led to 2019. But 2018 was, it was just frustrating. Like it felt like a walk. We should, we're playing on our home court, technically speaking, we should win this. Um, and that was kind of the thought, that was the team mentality. Like we got this. It's in the bag. Playing at home. I, I mean, how many players were sleeping in their own beds at tournament? Was crazy,
0: yeah, yeah I think for me it was it was exhilarating it was it was like thrilling and scary all at the same time and and like you know, <laughs> falling just short kind of it was so anticlimactic, like it felt like everything was kind of crescendoing, and then all of a sudden someone unplugged the t v And, and (laughs) yeah, and we lost. We lost the way we did, but we came. We came so close that it kind of made me just question every decision that had been made. Like, was this the decision that could have put us over the top? Like, was because we
1: were we were up three zero in that gold medal match, weren't we not?
0: Yeah, they. they, I I mean, we
1: had it, and I mean, we.
0: It was a it was a big comeback at the end of the first half, um, yeah, from Malaysia. But I think it was a surreal experience, right? Like we're both kind of. I I still felt a little impostory like <laughs> the whole experience, mm-hmm. and I remember at one point someone at the bar like gave me like a bubble water, like I was like, can I can I can I buy a bubble water? And they're just like, dude, just have it, and I was just <laughs> like why, why are you doing this? And they're just like, go get them coach. And I was just like, uh, like it just felt weird. Like I didn't, you know, like you don't really understand kind of where you are and just like the platform you have. And so like coming up short like that just kind of like made it this very complicated, ambiguous experience. And, and then coming back to, like, reality and going back to work, like, the next week and, like, trying to explain to people, like, the emotions that I'm experiencing was, like, it was, like, one of the biggest culture shocks I had ever experienced where I'm, like, yeah, I, what did I do this weekend? Yeah, I went to the Dodgeball World, World Championships and and barely lost in overtime and we got, silver. got the silver. Everyone's like,
1: oh, that's good. Good for you. And you're
0: Like, oh, <laughs> that's sweet. And you're just like, it just feels so inadequate in, in describing like what, what you just experienced. So, okay. So let's take that.
1: I, I mean, but before, before we jump away from LA, yeah, let yeah. me just say that that's LA is honestly where we developed um, kind of our method to our madness in preparation. We watched, we should explain to these folks that you and I, we we were standing in Airbnb with several players that you and I had this like garage, like garage unit that had bunk beds and everything and a TV. And you and I basically commandeered this garage that had like a bathroom and and the TV. And we would, the schedule was so messed up at LA. It was like, get to the gym at 1pm. You don't leave till midnight. And then you and I would get back, we would watch film till like three or four in the morning. And we're just sitting there watching games. And it's you and I just being like, oh, did you notice that? Yeah, write that down. We we write down, we watch either games we just played or opponents we're going to play tomorrow. And it's like, make note of that. Yeah. Make note of that. Make note of that. This is something we got to clean up. This is something they're doing. Like this is a pattern. So we would do all these things. And then it was like sleep till nine in the morning. You don't get much sleep. You wake up, get the team in to watch film. And this is something we're developing like on the fly. We call people in from the house, be like, Hey, come watch this match of Malaysia, Australia, or whatever. There's stuff we got to know. And we watch it. And then, It was, man, I mean, I didn't talk to my fiance for, like, five days. Like, literally, I didn't even pick up the phone and, like, talk to her. I texted. But it was, like, the dodgeball intensity that we were in was madness. And I don't wish it upon anyone, but that's (laughs) what it turned into. Because you and I were so determined to, like, make ourselves, I want to say relevant, but respected by all these players we were, trying to gain respect from.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I do remember <laughs> thinking like every night we would come back and, and I just remember like, I guess in my normal life, there's kind of like guardrails that like prevent you from like spending too much time on dodgeball where like, oh, you have to go to work in the morning or oh, you yeah. need to do this other thing. But all of a sudden, we were in this environment where we were doing 24-7 dodgeball, and we were allowed to structure that 24-7 almost however we wanted, outside of the games. And so coming back and realizing that no one was going to stop us from watching video all night was, like, (laughs) kind of incredible. And then... It was like a drug. It was like you could do you're like you could do drugs all night, and you're like, yeah, sounds great to me. Yeah, we just kept we just kept going. It was incredible, and yeah. I think we would do it every night until we'd pass out. And so like like you said, we were inside of like a a dodgeball bubble. Like the outside world didn't matter. Like I I don't think I checked my phone for days, and and I just would follow the follow you around when you told us it was time to get to the Uber. <laughs>
1: Um, I, I mean, but all that, like, pr- that process we developed there ended up helping us further down the line to where we knew how to streamline our, and be more effective. Um, like, we had to go through those hardships to figure out how to streamline our process.
0: Yeah, and it it, it was exciting, and I think one of my favorite memories from that tournament was just game planning for the semifinals against Canada and just kind of identifying things on film, communicating them to the team and seeing the team just be successful with that information on the court. And and uh, I remember we did that film session in like a little camper van that was parked outside of the tournament venue. Oh
1: yeah, the, <laughs> yeah. The 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 like RVs for like players to change and yeah like yeah prepare and
0: yeah so we had the hassle
1: the hassle of getting the internet and getting the TV to work like we had to power up the RV it was a whole thing.
0: Hey crew, that's the end of part one of the coaches chat. Uh, Brett and I will be back to talk to you about the 2019 World Dodgeball Championships in Cancun. All righty. Well, what more can I say other than uh, Lucas and Brett? Thank you so much for being willing to hop on and, and take over an episode. And as I've said in previous episodes, if you are interested in doing this, let me know. Um, I don't have to be the only person doing this. And I'm really excited to see more voices more uh, come up and, and chime in. But um, without further ado, I guess we'll go ahead and wait for part two uh, coming up uh, later this week. So until then, have a great uh, rest of your evening, a great rest of your week, a great weekend. And we'll see you next time.